Welcome to Curve Beam Connect. Listen in monthly as we talk with doctors and experts in the field discussing innovations and insights into orthopedic imaging. Welcome to the Curve Beam Podcast. I'm your host, Binti Singh, the Director of Marketing at Curve Beam. Thanks for joining us this episode as we continue to explore how our solutions are changing medicine. Today's guest is Mr. James Kraft, who is the founder and CEO of the Standing CT Company. Uh, Mr. Kraft is a serial entrepreneur. He co-founded the European division of the Motley Fool Financial Education website. He then went on to co-found Gecko Interiors, which specializes in green interior design. After that, he went on to become Director of Transformation at Virgin Care, which he oversaw the rollout of mobile technology to domiciliary services. In 2016, he founded Standing CT Company, which provides weight-bearing CT services to hospitals across the United Kingdom and Europe via mobile imaging vans. James, thank you so much for joining us today. Vinti, it's a pleasure. So to get started, can you tell us the story of how you came up with the idea to offer weight-bearing CT imaging as a mobile service in the United Kingdom? Yes, very happy to do that. So um, I'm, I'm not a clinician by background, but I've done a lot of work in the healthcare field. And uh, I was approached by a couple of the consultant foot and ankle surgeons at Royal National Orthopedic Hospital in Stanmore, in the, in just north of London. And they'd had the curve beam weight-bearing T- CT scanner, the PEDCAT, in there for a few years and, and loved the technology hugely useful to the surgeons. The problem that we have here over in the UK is that with the National Health Service, there's not a lot of money available for capital investments into new innovation and technologies. And, and so they contacted me and, and, and said, listen, we love what this is doing, but we need to find a way of getting it into more hospitals in the UK. Would you like to have a look at this? So I went and met with them and uh, researched the technology, talked to a number of orthopedic surgeons that I knew both here in the UK and, uh, and in the US, and really came to the same conclusion that they did, that uh, weight-bearing CT is, is going to replace weight-bearing X-ray over time. But to gain traction in the UK, we needed to find a way of getting it into more hospitals, and that wasn't going to be selling individual units. So the the decision that we made was to turn it into a mobile solution, which is what we've done. And that's fairly standard in the UK. If you look at the history of how MRI first came into the UK or CT, it wasn't necessarily hospitals buying it. It was mobile units um, where they were put onto the back of of, uh, what we would call lorries in the the UK or or trucks, as as they're called in the US. And those would go from hospital to hospital and provide a day scanning at one hospital and then a day scanning at the next hospital. So we took the same concept for mobile CT scanning and we put a PEDCAT scanner back into uh, the back of a truck and drove that from hospital to hospital on a rotating basis. And that really was the origins of it. So we went through, we looked at at the financials around doing that. We looked at the clinical requirements around doing that. We looked at how we would be pushing images back into the hospitals. And that's really what we've come up with as a mobile model um, that is really is the spearhead into hospitals so that hospitals can get used to working with the technology. And then when they have sufficient volumes and, and some capital around uh, uh, available, then they can go and invest in a scanner for the hospital. For someone who's started uh, a few different ventures or 
been involved in the growth of um, some pretty successful ventures, it, you sort of have to have kind of a an instinct for when something's a good idea. And what was it about this when you were approached about this opportunity that made you think, you know, there's probably something here and it's it's worth developing? So I think for me, what I always look for in, in new markets and in new technologies is something that's going to replace the existing um, technology. And this, to me, was a really clear case of that. So uh, it really was looking at what had happened historically with weight-bearing X-ray and how surgeons had moved from non-weight-bearing X-ray to weight-bearing X-ray over a period of time, and then looking at the advantages of 3D imaging over 2D imaging, in addition to low radiation dosage that you get with weight-bearing CT that just told me this is a no-brainer. This is going to be a technology, a health technology adoption cycle where over time it's going to completely replace the existing technology, which is the weight-bearing x-ray. So that really was what I looked at and then went out and was able to do some market sizing and say, okay, there's so many hundreds of thousands of, of weight-bearing x-rays done every year in the UK. What does that mean if those become weight-bearing CTs? Interesting. That's uh, that's really interesting. So, how is Standing CT doing uh, today? About two years later, how many mobile imaging units do you have on the road? Yeah. So we're we're still in the first mobile unit, and what we found with the NHS in particular is because of of the uh, capital requirements, as and also I think some of the bureaucracy that we get within healthcare. I know that's not exclusive to the UK, but but certainly exists here. Is we found ourselves doing a lot of one-off scanning days initially, where the hospitals will have us. They'll the surgeons will will group together 12, 14, 16 patients, and we'll come in and do a half day or a day scanning for them. And that's the precursor, really, to getting a mobile in on a regular basis. So we're still operating the first mobile unit. We've done a few sales into some various hospitals in and around London. But what we're really seeing is a change in the dialogue that we're having with surgeons. So three years ago, when we went to the British Orthopedic Foot and Ankle Surgeons uh, Conference, but just before we launched Standing CT, the questions I was hearing from surgeons then are, what is this weight-bearing CT? Um, they were trying to figure out what it, what it is and what it might mean for them. Now the, set, the questions have completely changed. So when we went to the last one up in Edinburgh in November this last year, the questions were absolutely, how do I get this into my hospital? So it's really working with them at an individual basis on a hospital-by-hospital hospital basis to figure out how we best get it in. So our expectation is that we'll, um, we'll have our second unit on the road by the end of this year and probably be adding another two to three units next year. And interestingly, what then happens is as they start to tip over from one day of scanning into two days, it actually makes more sense for them to go and buy a unit for the hospital and have it there and available on a full-time basis. Because all, all surgeons would like to run one-stop shops rather than sending a patient away and then seeing them a week later. They'd like to be able to have it on the day. And that's really what we're working towards. So using that mobile service as a stepping stone to them getting in, in uh, fixed units. So essentially, you're, you're risk sharing in the beginning. Um, when they can figure out their workflows and figure out their utility and usage, and then when they're ready, uh, you can help them um, actually make a full investment on their own. That's exactly it. So um, we do we do require that the hospitals have a certain minimum number of patients coming in because we have to justify the time of getting the mobile unit there, and we provide the radiographer and even a healthcare assistant when required. But it allows them to, to start with the technology and get going. And, and the, when we look at the adoption, what we've seen with most of the surgeons where we put in fixed units is 
in the early days, they might use the, the scanner for 25, 30% of their patients. And over time, that builds over 50%. And until we get to some hospitals where, you know, it's really almost approaching 100% of their patients that they'll want to be using weight-bearing CT for as opposed to weight-bearing X-ray. And I think that's kind of the flow that's been borne out around the world. So the key really for us is getting them started. You know, even if it's only 15, 20% of patients at the beginning, over time we know that's going to build as they get the utility of it. That, that's, uh, that makes a lot of sense. That's very interesting. So, um, and previously said two years, I should have said three years since you were founded. Uh, but now this year you are holding um, kind of a, uh, a sort of flagship conference. I think it's actually the first of its kind, not only in the UK, but anywhere in the world. Um, it's going to be the National Standing CT Conference, which is going to be a, a, a day-long symposium dedicated specifically to weight-bearing CT. Um, what gave you the idea to organize this conference? What is, what is the mission of this meeting? So this was something that came from our medical advisory board. So we've got a group of, of um, you know, five very well-respected foot and ankle surgeons and, and, and a well-respected MSK radiologist that sit on our medical advisory board. And, and, and again, they've been having the same discussions with their colleagues around the country who desperately want to get access to weight-bearing CT but are struggling to get that through their hospitals. So we thought well, we, we need a chance here to get everybody together so that we can do more education about what the benefits are of weight-bearing CT, and also talk with, with both surgeons, radiologists, and others about how they can best get access to it within their hospitals. So that was really the impetus of it, is, is how do we set something up? Because if we try and do this at the, at the kind of standard foot and ankle conferences or at the British Orthopedic Association conference, there's so much else going on. There's a lot of noise, and, and the surgeons that we work with, a lot of them have you know, leadership positions within BOFAS or within the BOA. So we felt that we needed a day that was specifically dedicated to this, and that was really where we started with it. That's great. Can you give us the details of where it will be held, when it will be held? Yeah, so the, uh, the conference is on the 12th of July. Um, we're holding it at the Royal Society of Medicine in central London. Um, it'll be an all-day event, so it'll start at 9.30 in the morning, it'll go till 4.30, and we have a group of very well-respected uh, and well-regarded um, both, both foot and ankle surgeons and um, MSK radiologists who will be speaking. And we'll have a lot of time for Q&A as well, so that people can answer questions around their specific needs and their specific hospitals. And uh, who would be the ideal uh, attendee for this conference? What kind of professions or disciplines uh, would you recommend signing up? Yeah, so uh, we're, we're seeing kind of uh, four different disciplines, I guess. So cer certainly foot and ankle surgeons, um, that's our key audience. And it's, it's, it's experienced foot and ankle surgeons, but also there are a number who will be sending their juniors or their registrars in who are not quite consultants yet, but, but, but nearly there. So that's one group. MSK radiologists, so um, radiology departments in the UK tend to be the ones who are making the buying decisions. They hold the budgets on, <laughs> uh, on scanning equipment. Um, and a lot of, number of them have specialist MSK radiologists, and, and they work very closely with their orthopedic colleagues. So it's a great a chance for them to come and, and, and speak to both their fellow surgeons and, and fellow um, consultant MSK radiologists. And then we've also invited specialist physiotherapists who, um, who specialize in uh, foot and ankle recovery, um, podiatric surgeons, um, and podiatrists as well who have a specific focus on this. 
Okay. And if someone's interested in attending, how would they sign up? So the easiest thing is to just drop us an email. So our um, business manager is organizing it. Her name's Kirsty Collins. And if they just email kirsty.collins at standingct.com, that will get to her. They can also have a look on the website and there's a link off there to be able to sign up. Um, or they could get in touch with yourselves and, and I'm sure you would forward them on to us. Absolutely. Um, so how did you construct the agenda and the topics? Because there's a lot to cover <laughs> in a single day. So how did you select the most important topics and balance it in a way that uh, would um, be relevant to both MSK and to orthopedics? And can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so, so again, I think it, we, we pretty much let our medical advisory board guard, guide us on this. And the members of the medical advisory board have had experience working with weight-bearing CT. Um, so when we looked at it, we thought, first of all, we need to kind of set the, the, the radiology case out very clearly. Because for some people, this will be a bit of a new subject. And so initially, our MSK radiologists will be talking about their experiences at Royal National Orthopedic Hospital, having used this over the last five years, and um, the relevance that they see of this technology going forward. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was really getting into the detail for the foot and ankle surgeons, them talking about um, where are they seeing the main usages, which which of their patients are the kind of key um, keep patients in this, what type of, of conditions and symptoms are they looking at going through. So we kind of have it laid out with the initial bit is, is imaging past, present, and future. Um, then we have a session on trauma, which is looking at better imaging and better outcomes and looking at um, um, specific things around ankle trauma, around syndesmosis, Liz Frank injury. Um, then we move on to um, forefoot and hindfoot assessment and looking at unions and, and how is that influenced. And then in the afternoon session, we're getting a bit into the current research. We have Francois Linz, who's coming over from France to, um, to speak on his experience there, and he's doing a lot on the research side. Um, and then we have a bit of, I guess, of an aspirational bit, which is, uh, you know, how do we get a hold of this? What are the techniques that, that I can use to get this into my hospital? And just having a general discussion about how do orthopedic surgeons get this? They all want it, but, mm -hmm. but you know, it's about getting the traction in the hospitals to make it happen. So really trying to cover a range of, of topics, but also leave plenty of time for people to, you know, have chats with their colleagues and ask questions and, and, and just, you know, get what they want out of the day. That's great. And uh, Dr. Francois Lentz uh, was a previous guest on this podcast as well. Um, who are some of the other featured speakers uh, who are going to be presenting? Yeah, so we have, um, from our MSK radiologist, we have Sajid Butt, who's an MSK radiologist at uh, Royal National Orthopedic, and he's supported by Paul O'Donnell. Uh, then we have a number of the surgeons from RNOH uh, that have worked there. So Nick Cullen, uh, Matt Welk, Andy Goldberg, who all have a lot of experience. Um, we have uh, Matt Solon, who is um, a consultant foot and ankle surgeon at Royal Surrey and does his private work in London. Um, Chris Blundell, who was previously the president of BOFAS, is speaking. Uh, Steve Bendel, who has experience with um, with this modality. So really it's just a range of speakers who, some of them with four or five years of experience, but some of them who've only been working with the technology for the last three to six months and will be giving mm -hmm. their views on you know, what it's like in those early stages. Okay, great. Um, well, it sounds like it's definitely going to be 
a very educational and beneficial event for anyone who's able to make it. Um, and then I believe there is an incentive for people who do sign up in the next two weeks before May 30th. That's right. So, so the course fee for the conference, which has um, um, com- continuing professional development points associated with it, is 150 pounds. Um, but for those who re- do register before the 30th May, we have sponsored places available for them. So, if people are interested, get in touch with us. We can get in one of those sponsored places, and uh, and look forward to seeing them in July. That's great. And so they will, if they attend, also earn continuing education credits. That's right. That's a great, another great reason to, uh, to go. Um, so can you uh, talk a little bit more, because I'm sure a lot of our listeners are interested just in the, the business aspects of the operations of the mobile imaging units, uh, a little bit about maybe the design of the mobile vans themselves and just how uh, maybe some considerations that had to be made that maybe wouldn't be so obvious, but makes the experience more comfortable, more efficient. What were some of the things that you learned when designing the first mobile van? Sure, gosh. So um, I'll have to think myself back into this a little <laughs> bit. But but what we really wanted was something that was easy to get on site. So we didn't want it too big. And actually, if you look at the size of of the vans that we use, they're significantly smaller than the ones that are used for MRI and CT scanning. So, um, you know, it's not really that much bigger than a large pickup truck if you look at the kind of length and width of it. Um, And then inside you've got um, two rooms, essentially, one where the scanner is housed that's lead lined so that, uh, you know, you meet all of the radiation standards around that. And then the operator's room, which has a glass window looking back into that uh, room there where from where they can do the scanning. So there were a lot of considerations. One of the things is we couldn't always be sure that we were going to have access to power. So we've put in um, battery packs into these that will actually last for up to eight hours. So if we don't have access to power, we can continue scanning on the day. Mm -hmm. We also had to think quite a lot about how we were going to get images back to the hospitals. And we couldn't always be guaranteed of having a plug-in. So Mm -hmm. we actually have, um, one, the ability to just plug in an ethernet cable directly into a network and, and into their pack system. But we can also send the images over over um, wireless technology or over the 4G network um, hmm. a, as well. So really what we wanted was something that was compact, not too large, um, but still nicely presented so that patients would feel like they were in a nice, nice environment and we got really nice picture on the back wall of a nice serene beach scene so that people don't get too nervous when they go in there. And the great thing about standing CT is it's much less daunting than going in for normal CT or an mm-hmm. MRI where you have to lay down and be stuck into a tube. Um, so I guess those were a few of the things that we're looking at. I mean, one of the things we'd love to do in the future is have our vans be electric powered as well. Hmm. Um, you know, we're kind of always looking at how we can do things on the, on the sustainability side of things. And, and we're looking at how might we put solar panels on the top of it and recharge our batteries there. So we really don't need access to power at all. We can run off of, uh, off of clean energy. That's great. Um, did any of the uh, experience you had when working at Gecko Interiors, did that come into play when you were designing the interior of the van to make it ergonomic? 
Um, definitely a bit. So it was looking at that. It was also looking at the sustainability side of things. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's interesting because I have quite an eclectic career when you look at it. I've, <laughs> I've kind of I've been involved in health since about 2002. But prior to that, I'd done a lot of technology things. And, and um, I, I always think you take things from different uh, parts of your background and put them together to best use. So this was a really good combination, I think, of the technology side, some of the sustainable interior sides that, that we did before and then the healthcare side that I've done uh, you know for the last kind of uh, uh, 15 years or so how do you see standing CT company growing in the next five to ten years so um, certainly there's a lot of room to grow in the UK I mean we would expect that um, at some point we'll have kind of eight to ten vans on the road here as well as a number of fixed units that we have installed around the country um, we'll also expand that out to some European territories through partners. I know we've had some discussions with partners of, of curb beams around the UK who are very interested in doing this. And then we also have a joint venture company back in the US that's uh, launched a mobile service and they've just um, sold their first mobile unit into an orthopedic group in South Carolina that mm -hmm. has multiple orthopedic centers. So they'll be bringing it around from one center to another. So I think this kind of, of a mobile, using mobile technology as a spearhead in to get people access is a really good way of, of driving the technology along. Absolutely. Um, so if there is a surgeon who's listening to this and they are interested in the technology, but they're not quite sure how to present it to their administrators or present it to their uh, radiology uh, administrators, what in everything that you've learned, what is a how what is a recommendation that you would give them for how they could structure their arguments so that they could approach their administrators? Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. And I think, you know, there's there's of course always the clinical case. And that's something that um, is becoming clearer and clearer um, that the clinical case for using weight bearing CT over weight bearing X ray with then the add ons of some patients having to to, to have full CTs, um, you know, it, it, I wouldn't say it's completely a no-brainer yet, but that's the way that it's going. Then, of course, there's the the economic side of things, which drives so many of the decisions that we face. And and I think it's really just sitting down and looking at the business case for this. And there are a number of factors that we see in the UK that are driving this. One is the time that it takes a radiographer to actually do a weight-bearing X-ray. You know, here in the UK. Um, I would say on average, we see it taking 15 to 20 minutes. They're not always experts in it so that the, um, the surgeon isn't always getting the views that they want. Whereas when they're using weight bearing CT scanning, it's the push of the button and 30 to 60 seconds later, they've got the scans and they've got as many views as they want to look at. So they're getting much, much better information. And the radiography department uh, you know, is, is, is saving time um, and, and time equates to money. Um, I think you have to look at the reimbursement system, and it's different, of course, here in the UK than it is in other countries. For us, we've got the private reimbursement system, and we've got the NHS reimbursement system, and so we have to go down and look at, you know, how does this stack up financially? One of the things that we're finding, certainly in, in NHS hospitals, is that there's a lot of pressure on CT scanners, and they might have waiting times of anything from two weeks up to eight or ten weeks before patients can get a scan for elective surgery. And by putting in weight-bearing CT, they take 
take pressure off of those CT scanners. And that's why we're seeing a lot of interest from um, the large trauma centers in the UK. Well, they will use weight-bearing CT both to offlight some of the trauma CT work, but also to make sure that elective isn't getting bumped to the back of the queue. Hmm. That's great. Those are good points. Um, if someone is interested in reaching out to you just to, to learn more or to connect, uh, how can people, uh, what would be the best way? Are there social media platforms that you're on that you recommend they look you up on? Or would you like to share an email address? So, so um, we certainly are on social media platforms, although um, maybe not as active as, as we should have been, but they can reach us on either LinkedIn, um, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Um, just looking, if they just look for standing CT, they'll find it on there. Um, also, my email address is james at standingct.com, um, and they're free to drop me an email, or they can have a look on our website, which is uh, www.standingct.com. So any of those ways would work and would love to hear from anybody who's interested in, uh, in having a further chat. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been really interesting, uh, just sort of learning about the business side of how Standing CT Company was founded and, and how you've developed and also a little bit more about your upcoming conference in July, which again is going to be the first of its kind in the world, a, a day-long uh, symposium dedicated specifically to weight-bearing CT. So uh, best of luck. Can't wait to hear <clears throat> how that event goes. And uh, thanks again for being on the podcast. Well, thank you very much, Viti. And, and I guess one other thing with the conference is we are looking to record it as well, and, and we'll make those links available. So that's something we can feed back to you, and anybody who's interested will be able to watch the conference uh, after it's been recorded. That's great. We'll definitely make sure to have that those shared. So uh, stay tuned, and uh, we'll keep people updated on how they can access those. Great. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too. Bye.